Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. In this podcast, we will be discussing various nursing scenarios, personal experiences, policies, and procedures. The information contained in this podcast is meant to supplement your existing knowledge and not replace it. Always refer to your state board of nursing and respective facilities, policies, procedures, and protocols to guide your practice. Thanks, nurses. Stay fresh. And we love trains. I, I needed like nausea medicine or something. Did you crazy. need four milligrams of Zofran? Okay, I think, I think my hypertensive crisis has resolved. Toot toot. To communicate. Yeah. And you'll get grumpy doctors who don't want to be called back. How'd that go? That's actually a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. Welcome to the podcast. I am Katie Cleaver. I'm Elizabeth Mills, and this is the Fresh RN Podcast. What, what? And on this Fresh RN Podcast, we're going to talk about working with advanced practitioners. And that can mean physicians, residents, medical students. Well, maybe not medical students, but uh, nurse practitioners, physician's assistants. Did I get them all? Is that all of them? Yeah. You know, CRNAs, things like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, people basically... Who's given the orders. <laughs> yeah. Communicating with them so that you can get what your patient needs. So an important aspect of this is kind of understanding what their schedules are. Yeah, and you have um, – you've, you've got – your patient has a medical team looking out after them. Um, you have the attending, which is – Usually, you know, you, the, the name of the doctor that you see first on their chart. The main doctor that is like, so they'll... They're running the show. They're running the show. Like, they see the patient, and if they think it's appropriate, they'll consult a doctor from another service line. Right. But that consulting doctor can come take a look at the patient, but they're not the attending, so they may not put in some of the orders, or they may, you know, they're not... I feel they're, like... They're working with the physician, but they're consulting. So if, let's say, your patient has come in with a stroke and they have a new diagnosis of atrial fibrillation, a lot of times cardiology will be consulted. Well, you know what? That patient needs to go on a blood thinner. The cardiologist thinks that patient needs to go on a blood thinner. Well, you know what? Maybe they should talk to the attending, if that's a neurologist or whatever. Or, you know, let's let's talk and make sure they're okay with, with that plan. So um, uh, that happens a lot of times. Um, yeah, because when I went into nursing, I just thought, mm-hmm. oh, there's like a doctor and that's it. But there's so much There's more. so many. And it's important for you as a nurse to know who's seeing your patient. And that, that's actually something that should be reported mm-hmm. when you're doing shift report. Mm-hmm. And, easy, and if not, you should easily be able to tell from the chart who's the attending physician and who are all the consulting physicians. Right. So let's say we've got, let's go with that scenario she was talking about. Your patient was admitted with a stroke. Let's say the neurologist is the attending. They've consulted the cardiologist. Okay. So let's say that that's kind of our scenario. Um, if they're so the the if they want to do atrial if the patient's in atrial fibrillation and we want to do blood thinners, that cardiologist most likely is going to either write in their note, hey, I think we need to do a blood thinner, and it's up to that neurologist to decide yes we want to do that or not or yes it's safe or not and then defer back to them to figure out the dosage or they'll do it themselves. Right. So, but but let's say we've got that cardio that neurologist that's the attending. So let's say it's Dr. Smith, and Dr. Smith is there from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. Um, But they do something where they take call. 
So there's multiple doctors that are in a service line or in, so that are colleagues of that neurologist. So maybe there's, the, there's Mr. S Dr. Smith is seeing your patient, but there's Dr. Jones and Dr. Thomas and Dr. Meyer, and you have that, those are all the colleagues. We, we know a Dr. Meyer. We're <laughs> chuckling because he's not a neurologist. He's actually a neurointensivist. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, so you have additional ones so that they take turns covering overnight for each other. So that means if you have your patient is Mr. Smith, Dr. Smith, and you have a need at 7 p.m., you have to call the on-call doctor. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um... All right, so you've got an issue, and it's it's nighttime, and you're calling the on doc. That you're you're needing to page the doctor on call. You need to assume that that doctor does not is not familiar with your patient. So you need to have all the information ready to communicate to that physician, so that you can describe that patient, describe what's going on, and and get what you need. Um, I, as a new nurse, um, the first time I ever paged a doctor on call, um, <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> of course I got tongue tied. Um, I literally forgot what was going on with my patients. <laughs> I think I did that too. I, I needed like nausea medicine or something Did you crazy. need four milligrams of Zofran? And <laughs> I literally was like, hey, um, I'm taking care of so-and-so and they had a procedure. I, I, I think I literally said that, and they were like, okay, what did they do? <laughs> um, anyway, so oh, something there. that you might want to do is write it down. Write down what you need to ask. There's this, um, is it acronym? SBAR. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, acronym called SBAR, S-B-A-R, um, that is good to use in order to, to – deliver the message. Um, S stands for situation. B stands for background. A stands for assessment. Assessment, And R stands for recommendations. So um, they teach it a lot. I know they talk about it in our, like, in, uh, I know we have, like, monthly, or not monthly, but annual skills. Yeah. Uh, CBLs. Yes, S-bar online. Yeah. To communicate. Yeah. Uh, blah, 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 blah. But so, that sounds so robotic. Like, how does that really look? Like, okay, so wait, I, in my mind I'm thinking, okay, so let's say you had to call um, Dr. Smith. And actually, what if it was Dr. Smith's turn to, that was actually on? And you call, the way you call and talk to him is going to be different than one of his colleagues. So, because you know Dr. Smith and Dr. Smith knows this patient. So, hey, I'm just calling you about um, Sarah Johnson. Um, remember, she's the patient, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, what, what's going on with Sarah? Like, that, that, that physician that admitted the patient that is the attending is going to be very, theoretically, should be familiar with that patient. So you're not going to need to give near as much background to Dr. Smith as, let's say, if Dr. Meyer is on for that night. When you call and Dr. Meyer responds, you say, hey, Dr. Meyer, I'm calling you about Dr. Smith's patient, uh, Sarah Johnson. She was admitted with a stroke. She's also got a little AFib going on, and, and we're, we're waiting until we can start a blood thinner. My question is blank. Like, you want to give a little bit of background right. to the situation. Now, you don't want to, like, go through report like you got from the nurse. You no. want, like, super quick to let them kind of understand the back the situation and the background 
because you calling the on-call physician, you want to have this um, kind of assumption they don't know that much about the patient. No, yeah, you need to assume. And if you're not sure, you can say, hey, I'm because I've had some, worked with some service lines where there's only two or three physicians and they're actually pretty familiar with each other's patients. So if I'm not sure, I'll just say, hey, I'm calling about Dr. Smith's patient, Sarah Johnson. Are you familiar with her at all? And they'll say, no, most of the time I say, no, I don't know anything about yeah. her. What, what's going on? Yeah, right. <laughs> so approaching that differently is kind of important, I think. Right. And I, I always say, are you familiar with this person mm-hmm. most of the time? Um, so what you basically need to say is kind of what we just went through. You're going to mention the patient's name. I always like to say where they are. Like yes, because they don't always Because sometimes if they're at home and they've got their computer, they can pull up, especially if you're on um, – uh, like uh, computerized charting or um, as most of you are electronic medical record. Yeah, that's one of the joys about electronic medical electronic medical record. They can pull up the patient's chart from home, and they can look in things. Um, and it's anyway. So I say you know they're in you know three oh five or whatever, um, and just say you know she had a you know hernia repair and she's you know feeling nauseous and I've given her Zofran and you know. There's, you know, she's, she's, um, it's not working. What are some other things that we can try? So you need to kind of know that patient or know the patient's name, where they are, what they're here for and what's going on with them. Um, and sometimes you have to give a little bit of medical history. Mm -hmm. Um, it's important too, to know like right off bat what they're allergic to. Oh, yes. um, because if you're if you're calling because you need some kind of medicine, you need to know what their allergies are. Because the doctor on call may not know that. Yeah, and I've had this happen. And then you I... have to call them back if yes. they need something. I've had to do that because I've patient. They've said, "Hey, um, I gave them an order for Zofran or an order for some pain medication or whatever." And I go and I'm like, "Okay, bye." And I go <laughs> in and I put in the order, and they're allergic to it. I'm like, or not allergic to it, but allergic to a component in that mm-hmm. medication that I wasn't aware was an issue. So that's but and that kind of brings into a point I wanted to make. And you'll get grumpy doctors who don't want to be called back. Oh yes, if, especially for something, for something like, like that. that. But it's important when you're talking to these physicians that you, especially if it's on nights, that you are able to be in front of a computer because they may say, "Oh wait, what's their potassium?" Oh yeah. What, what's wait, their what creatinine was, level? What's their creatinine? That's a frequent one when you're asking about medications. A lot of you know, meds are excreted in, or, um, you know, in the kidneys are harder on the kidneys and they want to know maybe what their creatinine is, or they want to know their latest blood pressure or, um, you know, are they positive or negative with their ins and outs? And, you know, they may have questions that you won't anticipate, but you want to be able to get to the answer Mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. So when I was a brand new nurse, I always, whenever I had to page a physician, made sure that I was paging them and was available to be at a computer or already at a computer. So when they called back, I could answer their questions pretty quickly until I got really used, really used to that whole flow of things and then understood and could anticipate some of the questions I'd ask. And, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean, this isn't necessarily, you know, just for like when you're talking to um, an on-call team, you know, sometimes a doctor is seeing so many patients during the day and they've already been in to see that patient. And sometimes they need a little reminder of what's going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So that S-bar method and being by a computer is, is super important. And I always like to, with when I'm precepting, I always like to, you know, do a little, um, a little 
rehearsal before my orientee is calling the doctor for something oh, yes. and just say, hey, and I pretend to be the doctor and I'll start throwing these outlandish questions out to just be mean and give them a hard time. But um, my orientee, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, my preceptor at, um, at my first job did that because I had honestly, I had graduated nursing school and never paged a physician. And I had to page a cardiovascular surgeon at 3 a.m. about a policy thing that says, hey, if this lab comes back, you have to notify the physician. And I knew they weren't going to, we all knew they weren't going to do anything, but I had to, I had to call and let them know. And I had to document that I called and I was really scared about it. And I sure did get a grumpy physician, but, but you know, it's important. I think it's very helpful with your preceptor, especially if you're really nervous about it to ask them to kind of go do through a little it. dry run, dry yeah. run. And then, yeah. And also I know this is something that took a little learning curve. I had never paged people before. So I didn't know what I had to do, like practically, like, okay, I have to in, I have to put in the, what, 10 digit number, and then it's going to beep three times or four times. Huh. And then I have to type in my callback number. And when you're brand new, you're like, what the hell's my callback number? Yeah. Or no, if you, oh, the worst is when you put in their number correctly. So it's going to page them. And then you put your callback number in wrong. I did that. I accidentally, I got made some physician real mad because I had paged him three times yeah, because the first time too. I screwed it up, the second time I screwed it up. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, depending on where you work, um, there's some text paging, which is now oh, which available. Which is wonderful. It, it is nice um, in, some, in some aspects. Some aspects it's not. But, um, you know, that's also something where you text the problem. So it's also got to be kept within a certain number of um, letters characters, or whatever characters. Yeah. It's like Twitter. So <laughs> you also have to keep it short and brief. Um, so that's something that takes practice. And But just, you know, if you need to write it all down before you say it, do it. Yeah, do whatever's going to get you to feel confident and comfortable with that because it is a scary yeah. situation because, honestly, they expect you to know a lot. And all of a sudden you're responsible for these patients that before it was all very theoretical and now it's like, no, you're, you you got to do this now. So it's pretty scary. Um, so encourage you guys to practice and get support from your preceptors. And honestly, I think one of the big important things and aspects of this is when physicians are rounding taking initiative and in introducing yourself to them yeah. and, and kind of breaking down that scary barrier and like, Hey, we're both just people taking care of people. Like, hi, my name's Katie. I'm a new nurse on the unit. Yeah. It's really nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, and taking the initiative to do that. So you put a face with people and start to become known to people. Um, so that when you have to call and stuff, it's like, okay, you know, this, you, you've yeah. met this person before. Yeah. yeah don't be uh, intimidated. I, I really found, I've learned that, um, it's really good to introduce yourself. And, um, you know, um, I know at my travel assignment, um, I, you know, you know, as a traveler, you're a brand new face and you're only there for a few months. So I just made sure I was like, Hey, you know, my name is Elizabeth and um, I'm a traveler here. I just started last week, you know, um, they really appreciate that. I think. Yeah. I think, um, I think people appreciate breaking down that, um, 
that first little that like intimidation. barrier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are a lot of physicians out there that don't mean to be intimidating, and no, they really like no. it when people introduce themselves. But they are they meet a lot of people too, so they may not know if you're new or whatever. So the, the quicker you can kind of build rapport, the better. Same thing with nurse practitioners. Oh, and so actually there is one some, something I wanted to mention earlier before we went into the whole round or all of like calling and stuff. So, you know, going back to our Dr. Smith and his colleagues, a lot of physicians now work with um, PAs or physician assistants or nurse practitioners. They kind of help do some kind of some orders and and help them out get through their day, and it, or they can like nurse some people some of them work independently. I know nurses can nurse practitioners can, but a lot of times when you're in the hospital, you'll see you have a um, physician who then has a support staff, and a lot of times, especially during business hours, you can call that PA or NP mm-hmm. and, and get some of your basic questions answered. Mm-hmm. Or if you're at a teaching hospital, you'll call the resident first. Um, and so you can interact with them and get their information. And then if need it, get orders from them. And sometimes you'll call them and they'll say, you know what? I don't actually know how Dr. Smith will want that. Can you call, call him directly? And then they'll say, okay. So I typically, if possible, try the PAs and the NPs first if they have them. Yeah. And I remember that was a really tough thing at the beginning when it was like, I'm trying to figure out who these doctors are, who their service line, what service line they're with, and also who their support staff is. Yeah. And who I just want to know who to call when I need, have a need. And that was a really hard thing for me to figure out. Um, so the sooner you can kind of figure that out, the better for each kind of each physician. Like, yeah, Dr. Smith is seeing them, but I didn't know Dr. Smith had two PAs that I had to call first before calling him. Like, don't get mad at me for <laughs> not knowing that. Right. So trying <laughs> to figure out that lay of the land is really important Um in addition to the whole on-call thing. So I encourage you guys to, if you have really, what I liked to do when I knew f- no physicians were going around, but sometimes I had, we working with surgeons, so they would come see the patients after they did surgery, um, especially on the floor. So they'd see the ICU patients in the morning before surgery. They'd do all their surgeries, and then they'd come see round on the floor patients after their surgeries. So sometimes it'd be three, four, five o'clock before they'd come around with their normal rounding. Which is fine, but if if you're coming, if you know that technically the on-call person starts at five o'clock, you know I don't want to like wait around for you to potentially round at five for a routine thing, you know, because a lot of times every day you'll have a question or two for the physician that is like kind of routine and not an emergency. It's right. not something that's going to justify right. me calling and interrupting you in surgery. I'm just going to ask you when you come by. Um, but it's really important to. Maybe if they haven't rounded by close to 5 p.m. to give them a call because a lot of them will turn their pagers off at 5 o'clock. <laughs> so that's why it's important to know at your hospital what the call times. So if it's most places, it's 8 to 5. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one thing that I have recently, I've experienced myself, and I have had a hard time doing learning this, is know your phone numbers or know where your phone numbers are. Yes. Oh, my um, gosh. Because there's Ugh. lists and lists and lists. So many and I actually numbers. now, um, I made copies of my phone numbers, and um, I will carry a clipboard at work, and I've got those numbers handy. Yeah, though, and you're never going to get, there's, <sighs> I, I think I only memorized, like, the intensivists. Like, right. um, I only memorized that number, but um, the rest of them I always had to look up. Because if you ever are in somewhat of an emergency or it's an urgent issue, 
and you're going around looking and you're looking at phone lists, I always, I never can find the number. And of the course number's not. right there, but I can't find it. Um, <laughs> it is right in front of my And you will eyes. learn the common numbers as you go along. Um, but in your orientation, especially, make sure that you guys go through the phone, where your phone lists are and know phone and know your phone numbers. And how to use the phone and how to put people on hold and how to transfer them and how to page yes, people. Yes, how to transfer. Yes. Um, Okay, so let's go into a little bit of team rounding. This is something that if you're working night shift, you may not experience as much as day shift, and this also may be something you may see more of in critical care versus being on the floor. But um, team rounding is awesome. Everybody should do it. Every patient should have it. And I don't care where you work, but <laughs> um, what it usually consists of is that attending physician um, and if there's residents, students, whatever they, that are with the attending, um, so you have the attending, the physician or the resident, if applicable, uh, you may have a pharmacist there. Uh, you may have, uh, someone representing rehab services. Um, but what you do is they go around patient to patient what, that, uh, on the unit or the, the patients that they have. And you as a nurse also need to be present, but, you know, going around and discussing, okay, why the patient came in, what's going on, and, and you know, they discuss pertinent issues that may have happened the previous day or the previous shift. Um, they go through the lab work, the medications that they may be on, and kind of they discuss kind of the plan for that day with, with the team. It is so essential because I feel like you get a good grasp on, okay, you know what, this is what, this is what I need to, this is what we're going to do today. Mm -hmm. um, you get a good clinical picture, which yes. is hard to do when you just walk in. And, um, right. It is. And so, um, you know, I, it's, it's important as the nurse to be there. Yes, it takes, it, it's usually happens at, you know, seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning when you're just getting around to seeing your patients and assessing them and passing their meds and everything. But it's so important to do. Um, if you have questions that have those routine questions that weren't called overnight or whatever, that's the time to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And usually sometimes those questions are even answered before you have to ask. Um, it's and, your time to learn. And one other thing, too. We called it team rounding, but some hospitals may call it interdisciplinary rounding. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah, want yeah. to put throw that yeah. in there real quick. Interdisciplinary rounds because you, you may have multiple disciplines present. Um but it's it's a time also too for you to kind of write down, like I said, you know, write down what your questions are, and maybe you can get kind of all the things that you need in that day. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to be there and you need to listen. And I know um, I have gained so much knowledge and information from just listening to the attendings talk, and especially oh, yeah, if there are residents it. there, they teach and they like. I mean, one morning I was listening to one of the attendings kind of break down. I had a patient on a ventilator, and they broke down the process of a, a breathing trial. This is something that you do um, to evaluate or assess to see if the patient is ready to be extubated. And he literally broke down every aspect of that breathing trial and what that means and what that stands for and what we want to see. And I had never heard, I've never, I, I didn't know all of that. And it was, it was pretty awesome. So I was greatly um, appreciative of just being there, being able to listen. Um, so it's an excellent time to learn. Um, and I know that 
Um, if you are working in a hospital in a critical care area and you're in a, like a, a nursing internship, we actually have um, some of the nurses on some of their days just do nothing but go with all the they, they go see all the patients during interdisciplinary rounds. And it's just a way, it's just a way to learn. Now, um, you may not have that interdisciplinary round in where you work, but if your attending doctor is going to see your patient and you are present and you can be in there, you need to go in Absolutely. and evaluate when they when they make rounds. Um, I've seen it where nurses don't go in there. I it's it's especially on the floor. It's really hard, especially if you have patients kind of scattered all around the on different halls and stuff like that. You may miss them. But I really I will honestly st- if I see my one of my doctors going into another room, um, I'll stop what I'm doing and, and go in there. Um, I, I will do that too. It's really important because I don't know about you, Elizabeth. When I get report, I write down questions for the physician. Right. And a lot of them, most of the time, are not questions that necessitate an immediate call. So when they're rounding, I want to ask them those questions and I don't want to have to take the time to page them and wait for a response. Um, so it's really important to utilize that time appropriately and, yeah. and, and be, cause you want the best time to talk to a physician is when they're standing at the side of your patient's exactly. bed, looking at them, not when they're, when you're interrupting them with their, not, you know, you, you need to call them when you need to call them, but when they're rounding other patients, like it makes so much more sense to be there. And then also you're able to hear exactly what they tell the doctor, because yeah. I've had patients say, no, the doctor said this. When they really did Didn't, not, no, and or maybe the doctor said I could have this, or 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 the doctor can give you orders or let you know what to expect, or hey, I'm gonna discharge this patient later this afternoon. I didn't let them know, and I don't want to chart yet. I won't have time to chart, but just so you know, you know, so those kinds of things. I can't stress to you enough how important that is, and then it also gives you more rapport with the physicians, and then calling them isn't so terrifying if right. you're if they you know you're consistently running around them. There is something though. I did want to define, because we said it, but we didn't really define it for people that might not know, is resident, the term resident. Yeah. So residents are in teaching hospitals, and they are a medical doctor who has completed their undergraduate degree and then their medical school, and now they have been matched into a residency program. And they, yeah, they're doctors. They've passed their yes. boards. Yes, they so are. So now they're basically working in their, they're, they're going into what? They're looking to see what their specialty is. or mm-hmm. And they're new, and they're new doctors. And it's really important to be respectful of that. I know yeah. people, you know, ex- you know, they're giving orders and stuff, but, you know, it's their first experience, like, being they're in charge fresh. like that. They're, they're fresh MDs. Fresh MDs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> copyright that. <laughs> fresh MDs. So it's important. Fresh meat. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> I've seen some nurses be really not cool to MDs or, or to some residents, residents before. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, a fresh nurse and a fresh MD are really learning a lot at the same time right. together. Right. And so if you can complement each other and support each other and, you know, maybe they don't know the typical procedure for when a patient has had their Foley catheter removed 10 hours ago and still hasn't voided. They, maybe they don't know to order a bladder scan and then to order a straight cath. Like maybe they don't know that stuff. And like, instead of acting like they're crazy for not knowing, but really kind of supporting them. So that's, um, a, another person on the team that I wanted to make sure that you had the definition of. Yeah. And you'll hear, um, so, uh, you'll hear intern. And I think, I believe the, First year residents, so they're literally, they just passed their boards. They're done with medical school. This is their first year of residency. They are referred to as interns. Um, 
So typically you'll have an intern and then you'll have a second year, third year, mm-hmm. fourth, mm-hmm. and then a chief resident. And um, uh, the chief is is like literally that's this is their last year. And they may actually be over um, – the chief resident is usually over like a group of mm-hmm. residents who are less experienced. Um, I know – in the trauma unit that I uh, worked in, um, like, um, unnecessarily, I didn't always see the chief I, at night. We would see like the, in the critical care unit, we'd see the third year, second, second and third year, usually the third year resident. They were kind of hanging out with us and, um, and they would always go to the chief if, if there was something they couldn't quite figure out. Um, or, or if you're asking the resident or telling them something and they're not, they're not responsive the way they need to, then right. you can just go up the chain. Yeah, yeah, you can go up the Hopefully chain. you don't have to. Hopefully you don't have to, but there is a chain of command, and then there's always the attending. Um, so, um, yeah, and let me just say, um, I actually really enjoy working with residents because um, in a, I know in a critical care setting they're there, and it's just so nice sometimes to just have that physician there yes, beside you. Yes, yes. Um, very reassuring, but... Um, you know, it's, it's kind of cool because, you know, they're open to learning from you and, you know, you're learning from them, but, um, it's really cool to see physicians grow and you realize that, you know, yeah, they, they, I mean, they're learning too. So it reminds me of that scrubs episode. I love scrubs. That show is so funny to me, even though I know a lot of it's not accurate, but the, one of the beginning episodes, JD is talking about his role as a resident and Carla, the nurse. And he (laughs) talks about when you start out as a resident, the nurses do know more than you, but then slowly your training really starts to kick in and then they develop into that specific physician because the physician's focus is very different than a nurse's. But truly, when they start out, the nurses really maybe practically policy thinking-wise are a little bit more versed in that. Right. Um, so that's kind of an important dynamic to really yeah. realize. Yeah. But let's talk about mistakes, some maybe new grad mistakes that you've seen, that I've seen working with advanced practitioners. Do you ha- I have a few here listed. Um, one of them, uh, and I, actually a doctor told me this. I, hadn't, I didn't personally realize this, but a physician came to me when I, or I asked about this um, specific question. First thing that they said was, I get really frustrated as a physician when I have a PRN medication, an as-needed medication ordered, and it has an indicated use, and the nurse is not using it for that. So for an example, I have a PRN medication of lorazepam for um, seizures, but the nurses are using it for anxiety. Yeah. Or agitation. Actually, that's practicing... That's illegal. That's that's the hey, you're 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 practicing it without a medical license when you're doing that. Yeah, like the and, and that's the thing. If the and I remember this physician saying, if my if my patient is agitated to a point where they need a anti anxiety medication, I need to know. Right. Don't snow them all night, and I see overnight it looks like they've got four doses of Ativan, <laughs> and it looks like they've been seizing all night. <laughs> no, I was never notified. Point. Like just because you have a PRN medication 
doesn't mean you can use it no matter what. And that's and that's an important thing that I didn't, I personally just didn't think to do, but apparently was pretty common from this physician. And um, and I really appreciated that because I could see, oh, they've got Ativan order. I'll just give them Ativan. Well, if you look, it's indicated for seizures. So if you want to give that because the patient is ad- ad- agitated, you must get a new order. Mm-hmm. Almost like if you want, um, you know, uh, what's another one like a pain medication you know like it's you've got to use everything oh my, what I was thinking an antihypertensive like you have hydralazine ordered for a systolic greater than you know 170 so if the patient's blood pressure is 160 you can't give that hydralazine to, right you have to get an order or you have to change you talk to the physician and change the indication so that was that was the first one that I thought of when I was thinking of this but um no, I think that that's a really good point. Um, and um, I think overall kind of just being ill-prepared when you're talking to a physician. Oh, big one. Um, and I think things that physicians appreciate when you're communicating or addressing needs is they they like to know number-wise. So mm-hmm. the other day, for example, um, you know, I – you know, I, my patient needed more pain medicine. So the patient was telling me, you know, um, their patient's eight out, you know, their pain is eight out of 10. And, you know, I had given whatever morphine, whatever, two milligrams, and it wasn't working. So things that I've learned to do is give the, not quality, but quantity. So I call and I say, Hey, you know, I just gave this patient two milligrams of morphine. Their pain is still eight out of 10. It's not touching them. Can we go up higher? They, they like those numbers Mm -hmm. or, um, instead of saying, you know, gosh, my patient's really hurting and da, 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 da. Well, how bad are they hurting? We, we got to use that numeric pain scale. Yeah. We've got to quantify things or they're really patients not able to speak. It's, you know, they, you know, their heart rate is up. They're agitated, restless in the bed. Um, they appear to be in pain. Um, you know, and I've tried blank, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, any, maybe even in your mind having an idea, cause you may, you may get the question back. Well, what do you think we should do? Right. And, and have kind of, and you don't have to, but have an idea of, of, okay, what would be something that I could suggest? And I, sometimes I'll even ask my patients. So, you know, you, a lot of times you'll have a hydrocodone or oxycodone ordered for pain and they've gotten hydrocodone and I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's not working. So I'll say, well, have you ever taken something that, you know, kind of helps you? Um, I, I, you know, um, and they'll say, you know what? I took, uh, you know, a Percocet once that helps with pain. Sometimes kind of getting what or guiding or not mm-hmm. guiding, but learning what, you know, works for the patient. Um, cause not all pain meds. And I know we keep going back to pain, but you, call, you're going to make a lot of phone calls for pain medication. <laughs> yes, you are. Sweet um, Jesus. <laughs> um, um, but you know, kind of knowing what works for that patient, but going back to providing the right information, you know, it's good to give specific information because, you know, maybe there's something else going on with that patient that not necessarily, you know, you're trying to, you, you have a suspicion about what's going on, but maybe those doctors need to get that information because maybe something else is really going on. Right. Like that agitation thing. Like maybe we had some increased ICP and that's why we're really agitated or whatever. They're agitated because they can't breathe. They're really, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling to breathe. So, um, there's, there's a lot of things. So giving, um, having, or I don't know, 
quantifiables, quantifiables, um, and being prepared to, like we talked about, being prepared to provide the the MD with information, not having correct information. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you wrote the wrong labs on your other patient. The patient's hemoglobin is 10, but you're calling, you know, you said, oh, well, the patient had a hemoglobin of seven. That's a big difference. So you need to have the right information. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why having the chart in front of you is really helpful. And then I think sometimes the docs, you know, they want to see who their nurses are that are taking care of their patients. Um, um, I think sometimes, I mean, I know in a critical care setting, you need to ra- you need to go by and when when your doc's Absolutely. going in to see those patients, you need to go in and see them. And it's not like, and I feel like people think it's like, okay, I'm a physician, I'm going to do my physician thing, and the nurse is going to do their nurse thing, and, and then the PT is going to do their PT thing. It's like, no, we're all taking care of this patient together. Right. And the more that you can touch base as the nurse leading the healthcare team with everybody else, the better. So I think I think that is really important. And then one other thing that the when I asked that physician about common kind of new mistakes was. Um, one of them was an emergency physician and said, and I think it probably applies probably to emergency physicians or critical care settings because that's where physicians are 24 hours. But, you know, when I'm putting in a stat or urgent order and they're not doing it quickly, it's like, oh, yeah, really stat labs, guys, you should if you've got stat labs ordered, they need to be done within 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's not like, hey, we're friends and we're kicking it. Like, no, like if I put in something, we got to do this now. We have to do this now, kind of thing. So, a sense of having a sense of urgency with urgent stuff was a big thing. Also, too, when it's ordered stat, the doctor puts it in stat, but yet it doesn't necessarily need to be done stat, and they tell you that that that's actually a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> so, anyways, so I think that kind of rounds out our, our episode. Do you have well, anything else you want to well, add? Well, one more thing um, is calling the wrong doctor about the wrong thing. So you, um, (laughs) well, like, you know, you have an attending, but you have neurology consulted. Well, your patient's having neuro changes. Yes, you can call the attending. You shouldn't, but, or you've got a nerve, like the neurologist ordered Dilantin for a patient who's seizing. Well, um, the Dilantin dose is not appropriate. You need to call that neurologist back. Don't yes. call the attending. Yeah, and, and you know what? That is not as black and white as you would think it no, would be. No, it's not. There are many situations where m- most of the time you're going to call the attending, but it, you want to always typically, a good rule of thumb is whoever ordered it, call that person specifically. But sometimes if it's a new issue that came up and you're not sure, do I call the neurologist, the cardiologist, or the t- intensivist? Like, I don't know who I call for this. And then, like, I remember I had called about um, – something. And then the cardiologist said, no, call the neurologist. And I called the neurologist. Neurologist says, why don't you call the cardiologist? And it's like, actually, no, I called the cardiologist. This is a neuro change. And this is something that you need to know about. And I need to know if you want me to do something about it. And you are going to find sometimes your beat around the bush with, with all these different doctors. And I've had to, I've had to actually kind of get firm and say, look, I need to know what I need to do. Oh, me and, too. And, and sometimes that comes, you got to call a lot. Of, sometimes it, it's up to the attending. So, um, <laughs> I can't, um, you got to stand your ground and say, look, nobody's given me an answer. Yep. I need to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sometimes that using firm language. Yeah, we're getting a little heated about that because it's we've My been in that situation. Quite flushed at we the are, moment. Yes, we are. 
Oh, but but it's frustrating because you want it to be black and white, and it is it's not as black and white. So if it's if you're calling about an existing order, I the best rule of thumb I think is to call whoever's ordered it, and then if you if it's a new issue, try and thinking about okay, who, which physician does this go best? To, who's who would best answer this question? Many times it's going to be the attending, and the attending will say, hey, can you just let the cardiologist know, or can you let the surgeon know? Okay, yeah, I'll go call him or her or whomever but that's you know it's not always black and white and sometimes people will kind of try and physicians will kind of try and pass things off on other physicians so they have to deal someone else has to deal with it and someone else has to make a decision which is really frustrating as the nurse who just needs an answer from somebody so that's (sighs) okay I think I think my hypertensive crisis has resolved we love our doctors we we do love our nurse practitioners and we love our PAs and we love trains and with that, we roll out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. No. Um, just, just to let you guys know, go ahead and check out freshrn.com slash podcast. I've got some um, good show notes and some tips and tricks um, just to kind of help you. This Remember, this is a kind of a tough thing to go through. Um, you, you'll get better at it. You'll get more confident with it. And it is definitely a learning curve. So thank you guys so much for listening and stay fresh. <laughs> Damn crowd better hit the floor All the other fellas better run for the door Stop, drop, and roll with me I got the heat that'll make you scream I don't believe in playing it safe I got the urge to misbehave I've been known to play with fire Come on Let's get it started Like a midsummer